I'm a fan and an advocate for open access. I think it's right up there with the printing press and establishment of the internet in terms of importance and value to science and society. Thanks to open access content uh, not being kept behind a paywall, it is no longer the privilege of wealthy institutions and countries. Welcome everybody to the 49th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyist. My name is Susanna, and I'm here with my co-host Jerome. Hi. Today, we're going to talk about open access publishing, uh, and we'll be talking about the history of publishing, why open access is so expensive for researchers, and why it is so important. And to help us discuss this topic, we have a very special guest, Shirak Patel. Hey, Susanna and Jerome. Hi. Hi. Welcome to our podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's very nice to have you here today. And we are, of course, very interested in the topic of open access publishing. Uh, but before we get started, would you like to introduce yourself a bit to our listeners? Like, who are you? What is your expertise? What do you do? Or anything else interesting that you might want our listeners to know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm, I'm Chirag J. Patel. You can call me Jay. I work with uh, Cactus Global. Uh, for the past two years, I'm the head of sales and business development uh, for the Americas, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm I'm all about open access. I I used to work for open access publishers many years ago, um, and of course, I use open access every day. Uh, mm-hmm. It it's just it's fantastic, and I love seeing it grow every day by leaps and bounds, and especially how it's helping uh, researchers with accessing information, but also helping researchers create new technologies such as AI and uh, generative AI and all these other amazing things that people are talking about all over, uh, all over social media. Yes, well, it's really nice to meet you. So let's jump right into our topic. Jaron. Yeah, so our current publishing system was developed in, a, I would say, quite a different time period. A period when scientific journals were still sort of printed in uh, universities or people needed subscriptions to, to journals to really stay up to date with like the, the most current research. But do you think the system of publishing in that time period sort of made more sense given the, the constraints on, on uh, publishing? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I mean, I would say yes and no. Uh, yes, because it was more costly to produce and distribute content uh, before the Internet. <laughs> But, um, you know, also at the same time, uh, you know, no, because researchers, scientists, professionals, students, I mean, everyone at that time wanted access to information, but many were denied, you know, due to these constraints uh, of just, you know, not being, you know, a member of a specific organization or an institution or uh, not having the ability to travel to where all this information was kept. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I think also the, the 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 paywall method came from that time, right? When you still really had to pay for it to get this this like touchable paper <laughs> in your hands. Um, do you think it still makes a lot of sense in our current time period with the large sums of money that have to be paid to see research, but that the researchers never really see? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I don't think paywalls ever uh, or never made sense. Uh, uh, you know, in reality, you know, more access to information means that more people, more people can work on solving problems. They can discover new ideas and improve old ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's basically the same thing that happened with uh, with the printing press, or you know, the development of computers, or telecommunications, or internet. Um, you know, it it more people were able to access it, and more people were able to develop these cool new technologies. Uh, you know, otherwise, I think we'd all still be uh, you know writing on stone tablets. You know, if uh, you know if people did, weren't allowed to share information, uh, and 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 realistically, uh, if you put up a paywall, someone will find a way around it. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that there are very smart and capable people out there that'll find a way around every paywall that someone puts up. And at you know at, at our discovery, uh, which is the uh, the free mobile app that we uh, that we develop and provide to researchers, uh, realistically anyone globally, uh, you know we conduct user interviews quite frequently, and we ask them about their needs and challenges. And the one challenge that keeps coming up time and again is getting access to information. And uh, you know we ask them, well, how do you overcome paywalls? And they tell us that they ask peers, their former professors, the authors of the paper. You know, some of them go on social media and ask if somebody can provide the PDF. And of course, many end up finding their way to SciHub, uh, which is, um, you know, you know, which, while it is illegal, is also a really great resource for millions and millions of people who can't afford to pay exorbitant fees to access papers. And and in honesty, you know, very few people can you know afford to pay the fees that publishers charge. Uh, you know, unless you're uh, lucky enough to be a part of an institution that can afford the licensing fee. So maybe on the opposite end of something as illegal as SciHub, but you, there's also open access, and this has been introduced quite a few years ago. Do you think that it it effectively makes the paywall? not really needed anymore there's a lot of journals are not really hiding their content behind paywalls anymore what do you think about this well relatively recent development of more and more papers becoming open access and do you know what really led to the open access uh, becoming more of a thing yeah so i mean you know i'm i'm a fan and an advocate for open access uh, you know i think it's uh, you know, right up there with the printing press and, uh, you know, the establishment of the internet in terms of importance and value to science and society. Uh, you know, there are, uh, I would say there are a few things that led to open access. Um, first of all, it was the, uh, or is still the serials crisis that, you know, uh, that university libraries were facing at the end of the 20th century. You know, they could, they could no longer afford the ever increasing costs for providing access to publications to their, uh, you know, to their members. Um, also, right around that time, the internet was coming into its own, and more people were being connected and finding new ways to share information. And this also coincided with the open source movement as that was gaining momentum. Um, and so, I think you know, all those things kind of led us to you know, scientists, researchers, um, academics all demanding that open access be the new uh, be the new policy going forward. Um, and what do you think has been the biggest benefit of open access publishing so far over the years that it has been going on now? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, the single biggest benefit has been increasing the number of people who can access who can have access to you know steam content, uh, you know, basically science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics content that that gets published or has been published. I, th- I think you know, thanks to uh, thanks to open access content uh, not being kept uh, behind a paywall, uh, it is no longer the privilege of wealthy institutions and countries. 
you know, also, you know, open access has led to the growth in the use of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and natural language processing because these programmers and researchers now have so much more data, so much high quality data uh, to, you know, train their computers and models to help people do things that were not possible previously or took too long and cost too much. Now, obviously, that, that sounds like a really great benefit of open access, but I guess it's also not really perfect in, in that sense yet. Is there something you would like to see improve with open access uh, currently in the current system? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's always room for improvement. And, uh, you, know, if I, you know, if I were to pinpoint one thing that could be improved would be, um, you know, while open access has democratized access to content, um, it's created an equity crisis uh, when it comes to who can actually afford to publish their manuscript um, as open access. Uh, many in the global south are still not able to afford the article article processing charges um, that journals levy. And many of these journals are based in the global north. Uh, and I think there also needs to be, uh, you know, better and more easily understandable waiver policies on the part of publishers. Definitely increased funding for scholars from the global south to afford to pay these APCs. And for more publishers and journals to be, um, you know, based in the global south. Yeah, it's crazy expensive to publish open access. We recently did it, and it's, I think, three thousand euros. <laughs> crazy. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, I definitely think. I mean, you know, the affordability crisis is not just a global south issue. I think it's a global yeah. north issue as well. Well, um, it of course has to come out of the grants that then, in the end, the taxpayers indirectly pay for again which is maybe not completely fair but yep. money has to come from somewhere um that's right are, are there any developments currently ongoing with open access has the open access publishing reached its final form or is it still being developed and hotly debated um you, you know what I, I don't think open access has um you know really reached its final form uh I, you know i mean um not not exactly a current development but certainly something that came on the scene during the pandemic was uh, the popularity of preprints. I mean, it, uh, you know, it started right around when, when I guess open access really came to the forefront and uh, really the granddaddy of preprints is archives, uh, which uh, has been hosting uh, physics papers, uh, preprints uh, for probably well over 20 years now. Um, but, you know, you know, as I mentioned during the pandemic, preprinting really took off and now it's growing very rapidly. Uh, I, I don't even know how many preprint servers there are anymore because a new one pops up almost every other day. But the great thing about preprints is there's no APC involved. Researchers can post their manuscript uh, for free. Other scholars can read it for free and no one has to pay until it gets published. You know, but again, I think uh, even after 20 years, Open access is still hotly debated in some corners. Uh, not everyone is convinced that OA is good, mostly due to the shifting of payments from the reader to the author. And, you know, it also poses a threat to publisher revenues. And in honesty, in, in, in order to address some of these concerns, there are many parties out there trying new business models for open access, everything from subscribe to open to transformative agreements to uh, read and publish or publish and read are some of the new business models that are being tried out by various different parties. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, so 
we we touched on this, of course, quite a bit. That uh, open access is still rel- relatively quite expensive for researchers to be able to publish their their articles. Are you aware of what factors go into sort of deciding that that open access fee? And do you think that this can negatively be impacting the obviously the less wealthy uh, countries, but also even the the more Nordic countries that can uh, afford these fees? Yeah, so um, you know, you know, open access is of course free to read, but you know, I think as they say, there's nothing really free in life, and is there still a cost associated with producing the content? Mm-hmm. And you know, having worked for publishers in the past, you know, I do know that there are some fixed costs that a publisher incurs and must cover, such as labor, technology, um, you know, sales, marketing, and communications are just a few of them. Mm-hmm. And really, the the move to uh, open access. Uh, uh, has you know created uncertainty for the publisher when it comes to revenue. You know, in the subscription model, you know, a publisher's knew how much revenue to expect based on you know how many subscriptions they sold or licenses they sold. But in an OA model, uh, you know, that's no longer the case. There is really no predictability because in order to keep earning revenue, you have to keep you know acquiring more submissions and publishing more uh, papers. So, yeah, and, you know, again, I think the APC fees are certainly leading to inequity and negatively impacting scholars, uh, you know, definitely in the global south. But I think as as we just discussed, I think also in the global north. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, eventually, I think I think something's going to have to be done to, you know, make open access more affordable. I hope that they will figure something out in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hopefully sooner than later. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers, Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Do you know if it's required for journals to provide an open access po- uh, option or is that not necessary? Um, I do not believe there's a blanket requirement for journals to provide an open access option, but many journals are starting to offer it as an option or launching open access specific journals. Uh, and, you know, and I think that's, of course, you know, maybe due to pressure from the market, but it's also due to the fact that if you're not playing the open access game, you're leaving money on the table and publishers want to generate as much revenue as possible. But having said that, 
you know, there is, of course, Plan S, uh, you know, and I think that has really supercharged the transition to open access by publishers. Uh, and basically, Plan S requires scientists who receive funding for Coalition S member organizations uh, to publish papers so they are immediately free to read and it has to be published under a liberal license. Um, and I think that's, you know, there's been a lot of pushback from publishers and even from institutions. But again, I think this is one of those evolutions of open access, you know, that's pushing publishers to finally get into the open access game. Is Plan S a relatively recent development? Are you aware of that? Or? Uh, I, I, you know, I think it's been around for a couple of years. I know they were supposed to implement it in 2020, but I think it got delayed to 2021. Mm. Um, you know, but I think, and, and I think it's, it's changed over time as far as what the requirements are. Uh, I believe there's also yep. some, some grants in, in the Netherlands where we are that require open access publishing. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I mean, I think Plan S is changing. Uh, how funders are providing grants to researchers. It's also changing how institutions are looking at where their researchers can and should publish based on funder requirements. And then it's also forcing publishers to, you know, uh, finally say, yes, we will offer open access, when in the past many of them were saying, no, we're not going to do open access. Mm -hmm. Now, you're, as you highlighted before, you're working on the R Discovery app, which is the largest repository of open access journal articles in the world. What made you decide to, to work on this and how uh, is R Discovery helping further open access? Yeah, so I mean, I mean you know, working on R Discovery, uh, you know, is a no brainer for me. I mean, I've, you know, I've been an advocate for open access for over a decade and, uh, and, and you know, this app is uh, one of the best I've seen and used uh, you know, so far. Um, and, you know, I, I also wanted to work on uh, our discovery because we want our users to have a fully organic user experience without advertising and introducing any sort of bias from our end or from our client's end. And, you know, when you, when you use our app, you'll notice that open access papers are front and center in the home feed. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, OA allows us to deliver a better user experience. Um, we can also do a lot more cool things with uh, OA papers, like creating highlights and summaries using uh, AI. And to date, we've generated over 6 million AI summaries <laughs> that are accessible in the app. And, and you know, really, our, you know, our goal is to help our users you know, discover, access, and read the research they need when and where they need it, mm -hmm. uh, and to reduce you know, a lot of the barriers that currently exist in the system. And that's, that's interesting because I was sort of thinking, like, obviously we're talking about the problem of accessing papers, but on the other hand, you, now we also have so many papers to say on top of that it's super handy to have a tool like this that really helps you funnel the, the most important papers uh, that you need. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, as I said, because we don't do any advertising or sponsorship, uh, you know, the the papers that get recommended to the users are purely based on the topics that they choose to follow. Um, and as they engage with more articles on the platform, um, we're able to provide better and better recommendations back to them. Yeah, I, I have been trying it now for a couple of months, of course, and I really, really love it. It's like you can just scroll through all these papers. Uh, indeed, these summaries are great. You can just see the main points of the papers immediately. 
and I really love just casually scrolling to to my <laughs> list of papers. Basically, feels very social yeah. media like also. Yeah, yeah, and and we you know we we you know we wish we could do a lot more summaries and highlights for more papers. It's just uh, there there's still some restrictions that exist even even within the open access space. I mean, you have open access papers that are free to read and free to use and do with as you please. But then there are also restrictive licenses of open access where you can, you know, view it, download it, and read it, but you can't reuse it. Mm. Um, so you know, we're you know we're hoping that licenses get more liberal over time. So we're able to you know do a lot of these cool things like create AI summaries and highlights, and who knows down the line, you know, maybe we might do you know text to audio or uh, you know use AI for translation. So, I mean, you know, these are all the things that are that are on our roadmap and. Uh, and I think open access will really help us do a lot of those cool new things. Yes, for sure. So um, if our listeners are interested in checking out our discovery, where can they find this? Yeah, so I mean, you know, our discovery is a free app that uh, your listeners can download from the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. And we are uh, currently working on putting the app into uh, to other app stores as well. But those are probably the two primary places that you can find it. Um, yeah, so you know, play, you know, have a, have a play around with it. We love getting user feedback, positive or negative, and it really helps us improve the platform. Yeah, so you know, have have a test and let us know what you think. Yes, if people search also on the strugglingscientist.com/slash our discovery, you get immediately sent to the to the right uh, right Play Store or App Store uh, on your phone. No, that's great. Yes, it was really nice to have you as a guest. And we learned a lot about open access, so we want to thank you for that, of course. Oh, yeah. If our listeners have any questions, suggestions, comments, or papers we really need to read, you can reach out to us via our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. You can also check out our website for some really cool science-inspired merch and sign up for our awesome Journal of the Struggling Scientist, a.k.a. our newsletter. You can also follow us on social media. Jaron, which ones do we have again? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Mastodon. Mastodon. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Take care.